Hello and welcome to Move the Line presented by 444.com. I am Ryan Noonan. Joining me as always, fellow 444.com writer, Connor Allen. What's going on, man? Uh, have you recovered from uh, week 12? I know we had some uh, some brutal beats there, mostly that uh, just ineptitude involving the Chargers. Yeah, no, no, I have not recovered. I'm still like <laughs> sitting here, uh, like thinking up, like staying up late at night, thinking about this. And in my mind, just going over the scenarios that happened there. And that Chargers team total at 23 and a half, when they ran that ball, like with like 30 seconds left on first and goal and just like drained the clock, I like, I stood up and was banging my head against the wall and was like yelling at a TV. And like, normally I'm like pretty like, you know, even keel in terms of like watching football, you know, occasionally like say something. This had me like going full throttle. Like I was like yelling at the TV, like, you know, I, I had to like leave the room for like good 10 minutes after that. Yeah. I didn't want to message you. Um, you know, I, I had it as well. I know, uh, you know, kind of, we all did in our, in our group, but it was, it was rough, man. I mean, they just to have, I think they're the second most plays of the entire week to even get that hail Mary down to have a chance was just crazy. So like it teased you for a second, like what in the heck's going to happen? And then just the complete ineptitude. And we'll get to that this week because there's massive coaching discrepancy going on in that game this week, but just to get down to the goal line, have a chance. They ran the second most plays in the league for the week, only hung 17, had a chance to get over the team. So I know they couldn't win, but like to run and then to run a, quarterback sneak when the entire offensive line has fallen it was just a mess it was a mess of a week of of a game mostly Uh, that was the play that i know both of us were heavy on so yeah and then i mean so the beyond that play too so uh i think i you probably saw this so i bet on damian harris's rushing prop at over under 48 and a half yards i I got i got a good number on this 48 and a half in the third quarter he had 55 rushing yards and then all of a sudden, I'm seeing in the, somewhere in the fourth quarter, he lost eight yards on a pitch. I was like, how do you lose eight yards on a single running play? He lost eight yards, got one carry the rest of the game for one yard or zero yards. Ended with 47 rushing yards, lost the prop. Uh, I mean, bad beats. Bad, I mean, bad beats. The Chargers thing was an aptitude. It wasn't necessarily a bad beat. Like, you had a shot, and all of a sudden you were alive. Yeah. You didn't think it was going to happen, but yeah, I mean – that that was a that's a bad beat, man. So hopefully week thirteen going to be a little bit better here. Uh, just Connor and I today, which is nice. We've uh, we've done these a few times. Gives us both a little bit more room to breathe. It's just it's tough when we have you know this many games. Really, just have the the two teams on a bye with the Panthers and Bucks. Um, a lot of people in the content space, especially with the game being moved into a Wednesday afternoon, it just pushes everything in the in the week. Um, kind of condenses it. So um, you know. We want to give everyone else a week off. We'll hopefully be back with a guest here next week. So uh, before we jump into the slate, I want to let you know about our sponsor here, friends over at Underdog Fantasy. We all love snake drafts. We all love big prizes, but we do not all love big entry fees or multi-week contests. So Underdog has released a new format for their snake drafts. It's called Battle Royale. And Battle Royale, you draft a one-week team like you normally would, but instead of only competing against the other teams in your specific draft, you're going to compete with teams from other drafts as well. It allows them to pull together the prizes. You can offer big tournament-style payouts while keeping the live snake draft format that we all know and love. Um, head over to Battle Royale. I think first prize is 4K this week. Um, jump over on the app. Go to the App Store. Look for Underdog Fantasy. 
Um, when you sign up, let them know you came from four for four um, and you will. Uh, yeah, it helps us and uh, gives you a little kickback there as well. So good over there. You can go on the uh, website or uh, on the app as well. App is super intuitive. Highly recommend it. They have some cool stuff coming out for NBA. Um, you're going to want to be in there in the best ball streets in the off season once the Super Bowl stops uh, this season. So definitely check out Underdog. Also want to let you know we've increased the ways that you can consume Move the Line this year. If you're listening to this in podcast form as normal, we appreciate that. Just rate and review wherever you're listening to the show. Also streaming this live as we record on 444's Periscope. So feel free to jump into the chat here. Join us. Uh, we'll post this also on YouTube and Twitch as well. So, yeah, man, just uh, the two games. This is the weird one where we had these two outlier buys. It's nice for those teams to have a late season buy, get a little healthy here. So uh, let's kick it off. Jacksonville at Minnesota. This is the first one here. Vikings 10.5-point favorites at home. 52.5 is the total. Uh, Jacksonville, even with Mike Glennon at quarterback, continues to be at least a little feisty considering they are 1-10 in on the season. Uh, public not really buying it, though. This one's steamed up through the 10 into 10.5, backing the Vikings in a big way. Each team has a pretty clear path to success here offensively. Jacksonville on the ground, uh, 7th in EPA per rush over the past five weeks. James Robinson, just a great story. I mean, undrafted free agents, uh, really making his way and just continues to handle 100% of the backfield touches, even though some of these other guys that have been hurt are coming back. Last week, parlayed those into 159 yards and a score. Minnesota's D, 27th in rush EPA allowed over the past five weeks. A really nice matchup for them. Obviously, passing game for the Vikings is set up to success for success here as well. Um, over the past five weeks, fourth in EPA per dropback. Jacksonville's D, as always, uh, 30th in the same metric, dealing with a lot of injuries there too. So, Connor, kick us off. What are your thoughts here? I don't have too much of a take on the spread here, um, but uh, I think that we can – you know, pretty easily project the Vikings to go with another run heavy game plan. Um, you know, Dalvin has 20 or more carries in six. I think, you know, as you mentioned, this Jacksonville run D has actually been kind of okay over the past five weeks, 10th and run D uh, and EPA. So um, yeah, I think that this is kind of like a, a little bit of a tougher matchup for him comparatively. Um, but I, I want this Minnesota team to go pass heavy. It's one of those things where do they actually do it? I would say probably not um, like that. It's just one of those things where we want them to go pass heavy. They're probably more efficient, but they're going to want to run the ball because we know that's, you know, the identity of this team. So, um, and like, I, like you said with, with Glennon, you know, he was actually surprisingly like decent, I guess. Um, it could also be, you know, another like great James Robinson game, I think, as you mentioned. So um, against this Vikings run defense, uh, I think that that's very much in play as well. It's just every week. I feel like I get concerned about, uh, you know, him getting game scripted out and they just like, don't care. They just keep running him because that's like their form of offense. And they're actually kind of good at it. You know, they can actually move the ball like that. So they get first downs by running the ball. And uh, that's, that's kind of how it goes. So I don't know. I think that those, those props for both, you know, cook and Robinson will be interesting. Um, and I think that people will probably buy into the matchup a little too much for Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen um, potentially on props, just because I just not, I'm not sure that the volume is there. That's the tough part. It's like there's never any volume in Minnesota games. Jacksonville, because they run so heavy um, and they play really slow, like there's not a lot of volume in their games either. But because there's, you know, there's ways to attack both these defenses, they both have a lot of questions. Like a total that's this high 
feels a little high, but like Minnesota's been doing this on like massive efficiency all season long. So at a certain point, it's like, all right, they just kind of condensed offense. Like we know where it's going to go. Dalvin Cook had what appeared to be a pretty serious injury last week, but just was a twisted ankle, ended up coming back in. He was limited in practice. There is a little talk around his workload from the coaching staff. Um, I, you know, I think he thinks he's going to be fine, and I don't know that he's necessarily going to be limited or share the workload. But And it's really dicey to take Dalvin under at home against Jacksonville, but there's yeah. at least enough there where it's like uh, – I wouldn't take his over, I guess it's kind of where for sure you know, on paper, this feels like a spot where we'd be probably looking to attack him and I would lean under, but I don't have the stones to take a Dalvin under against, you know, this, this poor Jacksonville defense, no. but that's something to, to watch for too. Uh, and Irv Smith missed another practice on Thursday. Looks like he's unlikely to go again. I mean, Kyle Rudolph is not sexy, but um, we have his yardage prop at four, just about 43 yards. Um, probably right about where it is again last week he had a nice week and had some volume in, in targets mostly because Thielen was out too so super condensed there uh then on the other side we know that you can attack minnesota secondary as well dj chark and chris conley missed last week but they both returned in a limited capacity to practice on wednesday could be a nice spot for chark i uh, will have to see where his his prop numbers come out at but uh i mean yeah 52 and a half feels really high i mean i might be interested in this this Jacksonville team total at 21 taking an over on that. If they really have a full complement of receivers, like I just don't believe in anything going on in this Minnesota uh, defense, but that's probably the only play. I mean, 10 and a half is way too high for me with Minnesota, who I just don't think is a good team. You're willing to bet on, on Mike Lennon scoring more than 21 points. <sighs> it's, I mean, if we got under, if you maybe can get it at 20 and a half, I might. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What did yeah. they get? 25 um, last week. I mean, in a dome, you know, I, I, again, Minnesota's, I don't, Minnesota's defense is worse than Cleveland's, even though Cleveland's defense sure. isn't very good. You know, having Shark back, like possibly, it'd probably be my only lead in the game. I just don't have a lot of interest in it. I don't think I'd take the 10 and a half. I sure as hell wouldn't lay the 10 and a half. No. Yeah. No shot. Um, and I don't even, maybe in a teaser leg, I, I just don't have a ton of conviction in Minnesota. But yeah, I, I mean, think can, like Jacksonville doesn't want to win, right? They don't want to win. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even in a teaser, like from Minnesota, like that's, um, you know, you would have to, even at like a six point teaser, a 10 and a half, like you're, you're still right. not getting at three. Um, they have to win by a touchdown. Yeah. Um, which I mean, they should, they should win by a touchdown, but um, you never know. I mean, maybe, maybe Glennon's here to stay, you know, Glennon's, yeah. Glennon's balling out here. <laughs> well, speaking of should, the Raiders should have won last week. You would have thought that they would win against uh, the Falcons. They were on the road this week in New York. Um, and nines, nine, eight and a half, nine and a half out there on FanDuel. So definitely shop this one if you're looking to get down early on it. Total at 47. Um, second straight road game for the Raiders here. Uh, they stayed on the East Coast, East Coast, which I think is uh, notable, not having to travel back and forth from Atlanta to Vegas, then back to New York. So that was smart of them at least. Just a really ugly display, no-showed last week in a spot that I thought was really important for them, especially with Julio Jones out. So really bad loss for them um, after be- nearly beating the Chiefs the previous week. Just a, a letdown spot in hindsight. You think maybe they would go and not really get up for that one. But, uh, yeah, uh, perhaps that prevents the Raiders from looking past the Jets in this spot. Again, another team that we don't think really wants to win the game. 
they are definitely looking for uh, that first pick in the draft. Public, as always, backing the Raiders, as they typically do, basically two to one in terms of both bets and handle. Uh, Connor, any interest in this one? Um, not really, but I think that there are some interesting notes. I mean, this actually, this spread opened up at like closer to like seven, seven and a half. I would have had some interest in the Raiders at that. Uh, I just don't really think that the, the Jets can, should be priced within a touchdown of almost anyone, um, you know, outside of, um, you know, like the Bengals or a few of the other, like, you know, bottom dwellers. Um, and this, this Raiders team is actually, I mean, they've played a bunch of really good games, but We've talked about this a bunch. There's, you know, the Raiders and the Bucks, two inc- like incredibly uh, volatile teams. Uh, the Raiders just turned into another clunker. I mean, just getting skunked by the Falcons. Like it wasn't even close. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think that if this was at at seven, I would definitely be interested in the Raiders. Anything under ten, I still lean towards the Raiders. Um, it is worth noting though. It's like, is Adam Gase going to call the plays or is Dowell Loggins um, with <laughs> Loggins? The, the Loggins Flacco uh, power team. Uh, has scored 27 and 28 points in two games this season. In every other game this season, they've averaged just a little bit over 10 points per game. That's so, gross. I mean, yeah, it's just, I mean, something's clicking there, but it's, he, Gase doesn't want to give away his competitive advantage. And you know what? Normally that would actually be true, <laughs> but because he is so bad, like it's, it's, it's laughable that he thinks that he even has a competitive advantage. It doesn't matter who's calling plays. Their team is terrible, but I don't know. How bad uh, is Dan Darnold? Like, I think he's really bad. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, we saw it. I mean, Flacco's doing fine, and Flacco's dusty as hell, man. This guy is not good either. So, yeah. There's some people out there that are still buying the Sam Darnold's, you know, it's, it's a situational thing. He's had some bad luck. Uh, like, he's he's still a guy. I mean, that quarterback class is looking really dicey after a couple of years ago. Oh, we were yeah. thinking it was going to be terrific. And, like, Josh Allen and – and uh, you know Lamar, are the bells of the ball, and even Lamar, you know the the uh, shine is wearing off a little bit. But uh, I mean, look, Darnold could find himself somewhere else in a different. I'm worried system. he's going to be a Patriot, is what I'm worried about. He does look like a Patriot. I mean, that's like a, he's a good fit Patriot right there. That is definitely a guy that. I mean, I also thought the same thing about like potentially like Josh Rosen could be a Patriot. You know, like one something like that. Um, and he also kind of fits the bill. At least I mean, at least Darnold's got some playing time though. Like. I don't know. Maybe Josh that's Rosen, just man. Like he, what a he yeah. not get a fair shake. No, I mean maybe maybe Darnold. The commitment to Darnold is more so just like the um, organization's like commitment to their draft capital. You know what I mean? Like not even sure. because Rosen. I mean like Rosen played like shit too, but like Darnold's played terrible. Like you know, I mean pretty much except for like a couple of games here and there, but he's been just as bad. So um, yeah, I mean I don't know. I think both of them are probably aren't very good, but. Maybe they could turn it around somewhere else. Yeah. As bad as the Darnold situation is now, I think the Rosen situation in Arizona that first year was even worse. Like, yeah. Line was terrible and no weapons. Like, you say what you want. I mean, the team is not great, but there are some promising pieces on the offensive line. Like, Mims, I think, is, you know, he's good. You know, Perriman has shown that, you know, he can stay, when he can stay healthy and on the field, he's decent. Like, Crowder in that role is like, as a slot guy is decent, like no running back situation, but like, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think he's just not good. And that's, that's too bad. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I do think so in this game, um, Josh Jacobs here. So he, he didn't practice today again, uh, yeah. or he was limited. Um, yeah, just seven carries last week, got, uh, dinged up left with a tweaked ankle. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think he did miss practice actually. And so 
And even if he does play, so like the Jets run D technically in terms of run efficiency is actually decent. It's just that they allow so much volume because they're always getting just smoked um, that they let up so many yards. So it doesn't really interest me too much on an under um, just because like you could legit get like 30 carries if he's healthy, but there's a chance he misses. So um, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's, it's worth noting maybe some like Devonte Booker props. Um, it's just kind of like it's kind of a tough tough team to break down here, and this Jets team we know is bad. So, and Algalore missed practice again today too. So maybe we see Henry Ruggs. Like, what a great spot for Ruggs to maybe get off the schneid here, put up a nice one against this Jets secondary. Maybe Are we sure Ruggs is he actually even good, or is he suck too? I don't know. Uh, I mean, he's it's too early decent. to say. Yeah, it's he's probably decent. Say. Yeah. All right. I think he's had enough. You know, there's just been injuries there. So um, I'm surprised that he's – I think we talked about it last week. I'm surprised that the Raiders' offense has had the success that it's had this year despite really Ruggs doing nothing um, outside of just a, you know, a handful of, of impactful catches. So, um, yeah, not a, not a spot that I love. This one could be a teaser leg, though, because, like I said, I don't I – don't, uh, I don't believe the Jets really want to win this game. Uh, the Raiders are still in the playoff hunt. You can get this down through key number of three, you know, getting this down to two and a half, uh, depending on your book. Like it's eight and a half now on DK. You know, that's available um, at that sports book. I think points bet had it there as well. So uh, that's probably in play, but not a lot of conviction on the number where it is now. All right, next one, Cleveland on the road against the Titans. Titans, uh, six and a half point favorites on DK. It's, Six, basically everywhere else, total 53 and a half. Oh, boy. Uh, you officially turned the page here on November. I don't know about you, Connor, but my calendar reads December. It is that time of year, bud. Uh, back-to-back road games for the Browns and Titans heading home after back-to-back road wins uh, in Baltimore and Indy. Huge wins for them in the playoff pitchers. It starts to sh- take shape here in December. So far, Titans are the lean in the market. Nearly 80% of the handle so far coming in on their side. It's the biggest mismatch on paper, man, is uh, the Titans running game anchored by Derrick Henry, obviously. Over the past five weeks, the Titans are first in EPA per rush. The Browns defense over the same time frame, dead last in EPA per rush allowed. Um, Miles Garrett slated to return for this one, though. Uh, That helps, but he's more impactful in terms of pass rush versus run stuffer. A uh, really great spot for Derrick Henry and the Titans offense. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, my first read initially was probably that the total was a little too high just because both the teams like skewed so run heavy. But then when you consider, like you said, how efficient the running game is going to be on one side and then on the other side, the run game should probably be also be efficient against yeah. the Tennessee defense, which is not very good at all. Um, and if the Browns want to pass the ball, which I don't know if they do, but they might be forced to, um, like – the, the Titans are dead last in pressure rate, um, and their their secondary is also not very good. So, I mean, Baker is going to have all day to throw. And, they're yeah, that Titans defense 25th in passing success rate a lot. So, I mean, I think it could be an interesting bounce back spot for Rashard Higgins, um, who we could catch some low props on um, after last week where, you know, Baker missed him on like an easy touchdown. And he's still – and, you know, Landry blew up. So, he's still one of, you know, like their – Obviously, their number two receiver behind Landry, but he's he's even been acting as their number one uh, in some instances over the past month or so since Odell Beckham uh, went down. So I think this is a good, interesting, interesting spot for him to bounce back potentially. But overall, yeah, I think like I mean Derek. Okay, so like you have to take a Derek Henry prop, right? Like you have to at least th- 
throw a quarter of a unit on something just because it's it's uh, what did you call it? Dehember? Is that is that, what, is that how you pronounce it? I kept I read it like ten different ways, you know, like and I like didn't really know how to pronounce it. So there you go. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, what do you think it's going to be? Like hundred ten yards probably is the prop. Yeah, our projections have him a little under. I think we're light on him to be honest. Uh, I think we really? have him like ninety eight. Oh no, the, the props are going to be higher than that. Props are going to be higher than that. He'll be in the especially last week. I mean, you know. He crushed that in the first half against a, in a tough matchup. Um, yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be in the 110 range, I would think. Yeah, yep. Um, no chance in hell I'm taking it under. Um, he just – he has the breakaway playability. That is, it's not just that he grinds you down with, with five yards of carry. He just – he breaks these long ones – so frequently. And so does Nick Chubb. Like Nick Chubb on the other side too has just constantly, I think he has every game he's played in this year, he has at least one run of 20 yards or more. Um, and you mentioned that's another spot where it's a great matchup. It's not quite as good statistically as, you know, when the Titans have the ball, but you know, the Browns will pound it. They want to pound it. Um, good spot for them too. You mentioned, you know, we, it's been a while since we've really seen anything from the Cleveland passing attack. Like, it's been a combination of weather, game scripts, overall Baker ineptitude. But yeah, I mean, the Jags brought in, um, you know, Jarvis Landry a little bit back to life, hauled in uh, eight of his 11 targets, 143 in a score. Um, did it on limited snaps too. He did not play a ton. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously 11 targets you'd love to see in a spot where I think they're either going to be you know, neutral game script or negative game script. I think it is a nice spot for some of those Browns pass catchers. Again, you know, Landry's a guy that I wouldn't typically touch his yardage prop, but um, you know, if we got him at five and a half, um, I think that's probably a decent number. Not anything that I would love, but like we thought we would get Sterling Shepard at five and a half last week and we got him at four and a half. So there's a chance that you can get a light line here on Landry. It'd be one of those ones that you'd want to probably look at quickly when the game drops because it'll, it'll steam up. Um, you, know, oh, yeah. you can lose the number or you can lose any of the juice on it. But, uh, yeah, Tennessee's defense, 25th in EPA allowed per drop back over the past five weeks, 29th in success rate. I think you said that too, like kind of fits really what, uh, you know, Landry does. So could be a spot here for for a number of uh, of props. Uh, yeah, I'm with you on the total. Like the total feels high, but like not t- taking the under because both these teams can get there on big plays and efficiency like – yeah, uh, I would lean over, but uh, not even really interested in, in that. Yeah, none of the team totals really jump out here either. So nope, nope, nope. All right, next we have uh, Detroit on the road against the Bears. Bears three point favorites at home. Some's dropped a little bit. A total of forty four and a half in most books. Bears have lost five straights, but are still home favorites in the division this week against Daryl Bevel and the Lions. Uh, victory laps on social media. Around the firing of Matt Patricia were really something to see. Um, perhaps a bit of Ewing theory here at play for Detroit, riding themselves of uh, uh, of that just guy that obviously was not very popular in the locker room and, uh, you know, seemed like just kind of a jerk right away. We've seen this. There's a trend of, of Belichick uh, disciples that have not had a ton of success to try to come in. You know, maybe Joe Judge is going to be a guy that breaks the mold there in New York. I don't know. <laughs> Seems like he got off to the very similar start, but uh, – been a lot of talk about increased pace from the Lions as well. They've actually played pretty quickly over the last four or five weeks, but uh, 
public's buying the narrative. They pounded the Lions. This one was like at four and a half or five, uh, and is back down to three all over the place. But uh, what are your thoughts on this one? I mean, it's it's unfathomable to think that the Bears could be three point favorites over anyone just because they're so bad. Um, yeah. I mean, I just I just we just got to give a quick shout out here to to our boy Uncle K, who's probably still betting on the Lions here. Um, <laughs> but you know, Joey Kanish twenty two on Twitter. Um, biggest Lions stand, probably the best Lions podcaster in the game, actually. Uh, you know, was all over him this yeah. year. And Is he on locked a, on locked on Lions. He should Yeah, be. exactly. Took a fat L uh, you know, for the uh for the season on all of his Lions futures. Um, but okay, so this game specifically, you know, it is going around and I think that it's pretty popular to talk about, but it's it's worth mentioning. Mitch Trubisky against the Lions, um, four and record in the last two years, sixty nine percent completion rate, twelve touchdowns, one nice. pick. 8.7 yards per attempt, 124.4 passer rating. I actually bet on him, you know, and I think it's week one that they played last. And um, I'm pretty sure they had six points through three quarters. Uh, and then they ended up, you know, wound up winning or six points or two and a half. Uh, so it was, it's pretty wild. And I'm, I'm not sure that I really want to have as much confidence in Mitch and, and the Bears offense again. But I mean, the matchup is great. And um, we saw David Montgomery last week. I mean, he, he looked good. You see those jets on that 55 yard or 60 yard run. Like he has burners now, you know, he came out of that, came out of that injury history. The look on your face right now is priceless. You look like you're just like, you my wife even sour. was like, no one's going to catch him. Like she was so surprised <laughs> that he made it that far without anyone catching him. And she's not, uh, he's not watched a lot of bears games. Oh but, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, if I, if he had scored a touchdown there, if he had actually found a way to pull away from Imagine. them, I think like uh, I'm all, I would be all in on David Montgomery this week. Like it would be, he's turning the, <laughs> turning the corner. Um, he's going to be popular in DFS, which is wild, but uh, uh, I'm sure he will be, but yeah, I don't know. I, do you have any faith in this lions offense to do much without Galladay? But like, I guess Swift is going to play. Swift after, is going to play. Yeah. yeah there, is, see, did you see those reports today? Like so weird. Was, yeah, AP. And it's like weird for AP to be the guy that's like saying that too, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, apparently like he's still dealing with maybe a little bit of concussion fog and he's not really himself. And he's almost like you hate to see it. And it's like AP, like it's just weird for you to be – you either want that from the coaches or you'd probably want the coaches not wanting anyone to say that. So it's very, very strange. Yeah. But like I you just, said, it really comes down to Galladay. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand like why – yeah. Why? Okay. Why would he say that? And if he's noticing that, and the doctors are just putting him through like concussion protocol, like something's off here. Like either Adrian Peterson is just like whatever, like not paying attention at all, and like not in tune in the situation, or the doctors are just saying like, you know, fuck it, let's clear him. Um, and I think that honestly, that that that's probably more likely than Adrian Peterson not being tuned into the situation because he's with them every day. You know, like they're they're in the same position group. They're probably around each other all the time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, as someone who's witnessed plenty of people with concussions, you know, like any change in like awareness or personality or like, you know, vision is not, is not a good sign. And, you know, like I've, I've known plenty of people with a lot of concussions and it's like, that's just the beginning of, you know, a bad sequence of events that leads you to sitting, missing a lot of time and not being in a good place. Yeah. I mean, he's likely to play, but that definitely would temper any expectations that I had on lions and it's all Galladay. I mean, We've really just seen them. Mm-hmm. It's night and day when he's not in the lineup. Injuries on both sides here, right? Bears are significantly better with Akeem Hicks in the lineup. He missed last week's game against the Packers. I uh, did not practice on Wednesday. And then, um, you know, I don't think we're going to see Galladay. Uh, Marvin Jones saw 30% of the targets 
on Thanksgiving. He didn't really do anything with them, but uh, he might be viable as a prop uh, targets, but again, not super exciting. You know, this Bears, you know, the secondaries play decent, but again, they continue to not get any pressure and you just, you can't rely on some of these guys, you know, buster screens and, um, you know, Jalen Johnson's of the world, you know, who's played okay as a rookie, but like if they're not getting any pressure up front, uh, it's tough. Um, Khalil Mack, I think was either limited or didn't practice today. I don't know if that's something to really worry about. Something to work, you know, watch as we get closer to the weekend. But, uh, and then the Lions, like you mentioned, the Trubisky thing is real because the Lions play, I think, the most man in the league. And we've just seen pretty drastic splits on Trubisky. Like he has, you know, left side of the field, right side of the field splits too. But he also has man zone splits. And he's had success against teams that play a lot of man. The Lions play the most. Um, I imagine they probably continue that. I mean, maybe that's worthwhile to watch without Patricia there. But uh, that's kind of part of the reason they also placed Desmond Trufant on IR. Jeffrey Okuda um, is questionable for this one dealing with a shoulder injury. So it's hard to want to back the bears at any point, but uh, definitely not taking the lions either. So I know we don't have a lot of conviction on that, but uh, you know, there could be something to this Trubisky thing here. Yeah. And um, I mean, Alan Robinson's seen a much higher target share with Trubisky in um, and the matchup. Yeah. The great matchup. So, like, I think his props are very much in play. I think the last three times against the Lions, he's had 74 yards or more against every, you know, the last three games. So, uh, I think we are actually are probably going to see a prop right at, like, 70, um, you know, maybe, like, high 60s if we're lucky, but I doubt it. So, could be could be something to take advantage of there. Yeah, we have him projected for 78 yards. So, you know, um, but I think that might be a little light. Yeah, I, I, think, he, I think he should probably be closer to, like, 85-ish. Yeah. All right, next we have the Saints on the road in the division again against the Falcons. Saints, uh, two-and-a-half-point favorites here on the road. 45 is the total. Um, second meeting in the past three weeks for these two clubs. Uh, New Orleans winning Taysom Hill's debut as a starter 24-9 just a couple weeks ago. Totals dropped a bit since opening, and I understand it. Uh, surprisingly, like, the Falcons' defense has been good. Um, you know, I think lazy – narrative season long stuff would tell you that the defense is trash. I don't think that they're good per se, but like both clubs here, top four defensively and EPA per play allowed over the past five weeks. Uh, Falcons are fourth against dropbacks. They're fourth against the run. Like they've been really solid since making the coaching change. And really we've seen the Saints defense really start to, to gain some steam here down the stretch as well. We know how this game wants to be played um, on New Orleans side. They want to run it here. Uh, we're also seeing pretty solid trend of second matchup in the division going under 63% of the time over the past few seasons. So I get why this 47, 46 and a half has been bet down early in the market is on Atlanta, which has dropped this down uh, after opening up at three and a half. So uh, Connor thoughts here. We def- definitely have very similar situation with Julio Jones pending. I, I just don't understand why does the NFL do this? Like, why do they schedule like these games that against the same team like so close together? You know, um, it, it doesn't make much sense to me. I don't know. It kind of makes me think almost that maybe the Falcons, you know, like learned something the, the first time around, and like kind of like way we talk about with betting unders in the second matchup of the divisional game. Um, you know, that size pretty strong trend towards going under. Um, like. Even this, I would I would love to actually dive in to see like if the game is closer together, whether whether that matters more because I think it would be you know like the familiarity sure. of playing a, a team a second time and then like three weeks 
um, is is very interesting here. I think that you know it's a little bit of a wild card though with Taysom Hill. Like obviously, what he's doing is a little bit different than you know a normal a normal team, and that's very not polite. really quite is <laughs> quite as easy to game plan for. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, last time that they played, right? Like the the Falcons had Julio, um, and yeah, limited. I think, I think limited. He, yeah. yeah, he got dinged on the game, and I think he played maybe. 20, 25 snaps, but you know, at least as yeah. a decoy, they had him. Yeah. They, yeah. And then, I mean, they only put up nine points. Um, I mean, Ridley had a big game, but still, that's not encouraging. The Saints defense has been pretty good. So um, I would probably lean under. I'd probably actually lean the Saints here again, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like last week was a bit of an anomaly, um, but really, you know, for the Falcons, the Raiders just didn't show up. Uh, so the Falcons were able to roll, but uh, against an elite team like the Saints, you know, I, I think the Falcons are going to need both guys here. I think you're going to need Julio and Ridley. They're not going to be able to really run on the Saints uh, like they were able to run a little bit in the second half against the Raiders here. Uh, on the Saints side, they're going to get uh, left guard Andreas Pete back. Um, but it looks like Taron Armstead is still going to be out due to COVID. Marcus Davenport on the defensive side, they missed practice on Thursday. That's interesting a little bit. I mean, he basically lived in the backfield in that first matchup against Matt Ryan. In no time to really do anything. Um, this is going to be something we have not talked about all season long, but I think it's really something that we really need to look at. Um, we talked about jumping on Jarvis Landry, looking at that early, but I really think we might need to look at Alvin Kamara unders early when they pop. Yeah. Because this might be, I don't know, it's two games, right? So I don't want to overreact, but it's also like, it's not just two games. It's two games with like a massive change with quarterback and, and philosophy a little bit. One reception, Minus two yards with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Um, he's being cut to the goal line, so he's like barely useful in fantasy at all. Um, you know, both Taysom Hill and Latavius Murray are really impacting that. So, like the reception numbers, the reception, you know, yards makes me a little bit more nervous because he can do it in such limited amount of touches. But like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, so for that specifically, I thought, so two weeks ago, it was pretty easy to take the under. It was like four and a half receptions. You know, I felt confident about taking the under there. Last week, it was a three and a half with some juice on the under. My issue was that I thought that they would probably try and make an effort to get him more involved in the passing game. Um, And that didn't really happen. So um, like you said, I actually think that probably he's just probably not going to see much volume, like unless that they specifically focus on trying to get him involved in the game like the passing game, I just don't think that it's going to happen because it's not Taysom Hill's like first initial read. Like he's, he's a running quarterback. He's going to want to tuck the ball and run instead of dumping the ball off to his running back. And that's just kind of a trend that we've seen pretty much league wide. Um, so yeah, if we see anything like three, three and a half receptions, I'll, I'll gladly take the under there. Um, and even on maybe the yards that the yards are a little scarier because, yeah, you know, he could easily, you know, bust one off because he is Alvin Kamara still. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that is probably probably one of my bigger leads of the game. Also, maybe like some, uh, you know, Brian Hill or or Todd Gurley unders, you know, uh, against New Orleans with his defense. Just like you said, you know, they're, yeah, they're stout. Um, the Falcons are probably going to be playing from behind. The game's going to be slow paced. Um, so, yeah, I don't even know what the Gurley number will be set at, but uh, yeah, under. it's it's usually like fifties, like you know, like actually, yeah. like, it's like kind of high. That's just too high. It's, mm-hmm. it's too high for him. So. Um, if this starts to move a little bit, like I, I can get behind and under on the game total too, just because of how I think it's going to be played. Um, and if Julio is really going to be out, like we've just seen 
such a large sample this year of just a totally different team without him in the lineup. So, all right, next we have Cincinnati on the road against the Dolphins. Miami 11.5 point favorites at home. 42.5 is the total. Still do not know who for sure is under center for the Dolphins here. They are returning home after back-to-back road games. Um, not sure that it matters a ton per se. Tua limited in Thursday's practice. Apparently they're saying Tua is the guy if he is 100% healthy, but uh, we'll see. I think he probably isn't. Maybe we have another Fitz week here. Um, this iteration of the Bengals, I know it's a team we liked all season long. Uh, they are tough to back, even catching double-digit points. Early action here, fairly even, uh, which is surprising. What are your thoughts here? Um, so, yeah, I actually have a kind of a weirdly strong play here. I took some action on under 15.5 points for the Bengals at points bet. Um, and uh, this is it's like 14.5 on DraftKings, but I think that it's actually worthwhile under here. So if we go back to the game where the Bengals played, it's like, sure, you're, they scored 17 points against the Giants, a good defense. But if you actually go back and look what happened, um, they put up 17 by having a kick return for a touchdown. And then a field goal drive that started from their 45, a field goal drive that started from their 38, and then a garbage time touchdown with like two minutes left in the game. Um, so I guess technically that wasn't a garbage time touchdown, but like it means with two minutes left, they were yeah. down by two scores. So kind of was. Um, and so really like at that point, like I just don't see them scoring more than two touchdowns against a Miami defense that's been pretty good um, overall. And like um, they've, they rank sixth in EPA defensively over the past five weeks, which is actually better than the Giants have been. Um, and uh, the Dolphins, obviously, they've won seven of their past eight. You know, they're on a roll. And I, I don't think that this Bengals offense is really even, like, they're pretty much bad all over. I would say that they have interesting receiving options, but, you know, their offensive line isn't good. Their running backs are bad. Their quarterback play is bad. Um, like, it's, it's a mismatch here. They're on the road. You know, they're in Miami. Like, it's not a lot of things are going against them here. So it almost makes me lean towards Miami as well at 11 and a half. I don't have too much confidence though, generally in Tua, um, but it is against the Bengals. And I think that they should be, should be able to score plenty of points as well. So I probably, I probably lean towards the under on the team total dolphins here. And then, um, you know, maybe even some AJ green unders, maybe even Boyd on yards, like AJ green laid a goose egg, you know? So, yeah, um, we know Miami's defensive strength is those perimeter corners are, Exactly. Oh, really good. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the receiving options are awesome. The guys that we liked all year, but like, it, it doesn't matter. I was surprised that they dropped back so much against the Giants. Like, they dropped back on 72% of their snaps. I mean, the game was, uh, I mean, the, the Giants were up, so it was a negative game script, but like, they didn't even really try to run very heavy early. Um, you know, Brandon Allen, 136 yards on 72% uh, drop back rate, which is just yeah, exactly. hard to do. Um, I, I know that the Giants defense has been better, but they're not world beaters per se. It's not like they were playing the, uh, you know, the 2000 Ravens here or something like that. Like it just was, it was gross. So yeah, I'd be interested in Miami a little bit more if it's going to be Fitzpatrick, but uh, not a ton of conviction. I do think if it is Fitz, the one piece that I like in this game is Devonte Parker. Uh, just Massive, massive target share, 36% last week, 14 targets in a game that they led throughout. I mean, it was kind of, especially in the second half, a blowout. So, like, it's another situation here where we're going to have what we would perceive to be more of a run-heavy game script, and we still saw 14 targets for Parker. So we know that connection is strong. There's really limited options elsewhere uh, for Miami. So I think Parker is definitely going to be able to feast here. 
Um, we need to see what happens with the running backs for Miami side, but none of them are very interesting in, in props here with, you know, Miles Gaskin or um, imagine he's limited if he's even in, in play here. So nothing that's uh, super exciting. Miami may be a teaser leg I can get behind because I think they can win by more than a touchdown. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a good call. Yeah. All right, next we have uh, Indy at Houston. We have the Colts three and a half point favorites now on the road. Uh, 51 is the total. Uh, it's frustrating to know that we're not going to continue to see this elite level top shelf Deshaun Watson that we've seen for the last few weeks. It's just been unbelievable. Last seven or eight starts since Bill O'Brien got fired. But obviously Will Fuller uh, being out for basically the rest of the season here. It was a big loss really for the you know, upper echelon abilities of this Titans offense. Early line here was Indy minus two, two and a half. That's obviously been moved up through three uh, with the news here with both Will Fuller and um, uh, who else went down? Oh, Bradley Roby. Bradley Roby, yeah. yeah. they had the same doctor. Whatever that cocktail was, uh, <laughs> they were on it together. But, uh, yeah, I mean, defensively, we want to see what's going on with the Colts. I mean, DeForest Buckner's status Still up in the air. We saw what happened last week with him being out of the lineup, though I don't know that the Texans really have anything that's comparable. They're going to get David Johnson back, but they don't have, a, you know, it's not going to be Derrick Henry style here. So what are your thoughts on this one? Well, you don't think you don't think David Johnson's Derrick Henry, man? I mean, I mean he looked great, apparently. The coaching staff said today, like, he looks really good. So it can't be worse yeah. than Duke. Like, he just whittled away that opportunity. He really did nothing with it. So we'll see. What are your thoughts on it? Sorry, it just, it just cut out there real quick. Um, yeah, so in, ter- in terms of this game, I'd probably lean India. I know we talked about this, um, you know, like at two and a half. And then, uh, you know, fellow NAD syndicate member uh, Daigle, you know, tried talking us out of talking us out of India and towards the Texans. Um, you know, I know that Silva is very much into India as well. So I don't yeah, know. I took I'm it at two and a half. Did you get in? I did, I did not get in. I didn't okay. take it. I, I, was, I was just a little bit more hesitant. Um, I do think that, um, you know, like Indy should win here, but I've kind of been on the train that Indy's overrated, um, you know, the whole year. And I think that, um, which is, it is a little bit concerning considering, you know, most of the good offenses they play, they, they struggle against, um, and they, they, you know, allow a bunch of points to, so that is a little bit concerning, but then obviously the Will Fuller splits with Deshaun Watson, you know, his yards per temp drops by a whole yard. Um, so I think, and obviously Bradley Roby. So it's really kind of, it was just a stay away for me. Honestly, that's kind of what it amounted to. No, that makes sense. Um, it's been getting that what I thought would be the best of the number. You know, we don't always like closing line value doesn't ensure that we win, but I thought that we would see this move kind of like it has. I don't think it would get crazy, but I thought it would move through three at least. And, and it has, so I feel decent yeah. about that. I'll be interested to see what happens. I mean, ideally we want the best quarterback in the matchup and, you don't have that back in the Colts side for sure. So um, just be interesting. I mean, not only is it, is it fuller, but Randall Cobb's out, you know, Kenny Stills is nowhere to be found. Like, you know, so you really are relying on, you know, Kiki QT and, and some other nobodies, you know, some practice squad guys. So um, we'll see, you know what it is though. It's going to be a Michael Pittman eruption spot. Um, yeah. Yep. Played every snap last week, uh, nine targets. Um, three of them, he got, um, attributed a drop, but like barely anyone else gets their hand on the ball. It's like, it's like his fault for being too athletic that he got uh, three drops last week. But uh, yeah, I just, I feel like it's just, it's tough because rivers is constantly spreading it out. We know they'll get like 10 to 12 guys in the mix between the running backs and all the tight ends. And they have a pretty, 
sizable rotation at receiver, but like this Texans secondary is terrible. They don't really get any pressure. If the Colts offensive line's getting healthy, uh, center Ryan Kelly's back. I don't know about Anthony Costanzo up front, but um, just don't think they're going to be able to pressure them. And it's again, they're keeping him on the field. I think they know what they have here in Pittman. And I think it's a really great spot for him here. So uh, we used to see, we used to see T Y Hilton go to Houston all the time and explode. And I think it is now passing the torch in his uh, Michael Pittman season. He's going to, he's going to go off. Oh, that's, I, I kind of like um, potentially taking maybe some, even like Brandon cooks props here. I know that, you know, so he's the only receiver um, and historically against like uh, predominantly man defenses and like press man coverage, like he really struggles Um, and the Colts play a lot of zone um, from my understanding. So that should, I mean, that's a, that's definitely a bonus for him because, you know, like we've seen him, like it, especially with the Patriots, it was very notable that like any time oh, yeah. that he saw like press man or saw like Xavier and Howard, he was just, you know, he would lay up goose eggs. He couldn't get open. He couldn't do anything. So, you know, against zone with Deshaun Watson, probably playing from behind. Like I, I think that that's an interesting spot for him. No, it's a really good call. Yeah. Um, Eberflus in the Colts, like they run a lot of that old Tampa two two deep safeties, um, get some stuff underneath for sure. We have Cooks at 79 yards and five and a half receptions. Yeah, I mean that's that'll probably be higher than his props unless the market overreacts. Um, yeah. So I think I think that's it's definitely in play. No, good call. Yeah, I like that a lot. I think it's a good spot for him, especially if I you know leaning on the Colts being ahead here um, and having to, to throw a little bit more. I think that that's uh, that's definitely a good call. All right, uh, another division game. We have the Rams here on the road against the Cardinals. Rams minus three. You can get a two and a half on DK if you are watching the stream live. Uh, it's juiced up though, so that's trending towards three as well. Forty-eight and a half is the total. Both clubs really coming off of pretty bad Week Twelve losses um, in these interdivisional games. Are they're going to matter a lot uh, in the NFC West here down the stretch? And these two teams are similar, like you talked about with the Saints and Falcons. These two play both their games pretty close together coming up here in a couple weeks. Uh, Cardinals open as a short home favorite. Uh, move quickly, though, obviously being where it is now with the Rams being three-point favorites on the road. Uh, we might see some buyback on it, but I don't know. I mean, there's some worry here about Kyler. Um, Cardinals have lost three or four. Uh, Kyler did not look good against the Patriots last week. Uh, another game where, you know, massive coaching display uh, mismatch, like uh, Kingsbury really outcoached and had some really bad decisions in that one. Uh, but Murray's not really – Willing to run didn't look like, um, you know, not really doing things to extend plays, you know, really kind of dropping back, not stepping up into the pocket to make plays like he typically does. It was just a, a weird one for Kyler. So um, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, so I think that that's actually an interesting point about his shoulder. So the past two games, Kyler is averaging 6.4 and then five yards per attempt despite playing against, you know, two of the league's worst secondaries. Um, and so I don't know. I, I don't. I think that there's definitely something um, – you know, whether smoke, there's fire. I think that there's, I think there's a fire here like, potentially. Um, and so now, and now he has to go against this uh, Ram secondary that over the past five weeks is third in EPA against the pass, first in EPA against the run. Like, yeah, this is going to be tough. Um, and so that's probably how I'll attack this game. Maybe some Kyler unders. Uh, that, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't seem like the market's really reacted to that. And I know that we were interested in Arizona last week. It just seems like seems like his shoulder is a lot bigger of an issue than we really uh, originally anticipated. And I'd probably also lean towards the Rams here um, against Arizona because if, I mean, if Kyler's not right, then uh, I mean, that's, 
he's he's the heart and soul of their team. Like really totally. everything everything that they do offensively, he needs to be playing at 100%. Otherwise, like they we've seen some lows, and you know, obviously in the past few weeks, even too, like he they the Cardinals offense looks like it's the what, what do we call it the horizontal raid? Yeah. Um, you All know, you like last when, year. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's kind of what it's reverted to with him, not like, you know, throwing the ball downfield and not like running like crazy and like uh, really stretching out defenses. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably those the Rams and then Kyler will probably be how I attack this game. Kyler under, sorry. Yeah, this, uh, you know, it's tough because I feel like, you know, we've seen bad golf at times and really the Niners just, those games are always close. Like they just are. Like they're always highly contested. Um, Shanahan is great at what he does. Um, I do not think that Cliff Kingsbury is great at what he does. Um, so I'm warming up a little bit as the week's gone on to the Rams side here. Um, I just don't think that they're going to, ha- the defense has been great. And even last week they were, they were really good. Like they, um, you know, there's some turnovers there, a lot of turnovers, you know, golf just continued to put the ball on the grounds. Uh, even that they still lost on a last second field goal. So um, I just have a little bit more conviction that defense is playing really well both against the run and against the pass and if their Kyler isn't himself and if he cannot sustain drives I mean they ran a lot of two tight end stuff last week which is weird like they wanted to see Isabella like step into that Larry Fitz role be more aggressive downfield but there was just a lot of Hopkins and Kirk on the outside and a lot of two tight ends um once I watched that back and it was just very surprised like they were conservative like they wanted to protect him and it was strange. Like it was, they ran the ball a lot with both Drake and Edmonds. Like they're not going to be able to do that here on the Rams. Like they were against the Patriots last week. So it could be a really good spot for the Rams. If we think that they can keep golf clean in the pocket, we know that's really it. Like that is, <laughs> that's the, that is the answer. He does not do well with people at his feet, hands in his face. Uh, could be a nice spot for, you know, Rams pass catchers too. Everyone's ready to anoint Cam Akers uh, as the guy, like he had, you know, some flashy runs last week. I think he's awesome, but like, it really doesn't matter if the coaching staff is still playing him um, the third most out of three backs, which was still the case last week. So be careful there. Um, you know, if we start to see that that starts to change, like he's just not really getting work in passing situations. So um, be a little leery of, of Akers and his popularity this week as we start to, um, you know, look about DFS slates and, uh, you know, props for him too. I don't think there's going to be anything that's worthwhile, but yeah, warming up on the ramps for sure. The, uh, you know, the, the cam acres hive is very, very strong on Twitter. You know, there's a lot of people in the Twitter bubble that love cam acres, which is fun. You know, he's, he was a good prospect. And I thought that, you know, I know you liked him and I know plenty of other smart people liked him, but you know, just because he busts off a long run or just because he scores a touchdown doesn't mean that he's going to start being used more enough to the point where he's, you know, relevant in the prop market or something that we should take advantage of in DFS. So. Yep. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. I like him, but I mean, I, I, can, I like David Moore a lot too, and he doesn't play very often. <laughs> like We have to temper expectations. Uh, oh, that is man. a professional transition. We have the giants on the road against Seattle, uh, Seattle, 10 point favorites here at home. 46 and a half is the total uh, giants on the road for the second consecutive week. This time with Colt McCoy, under center starter Daniel Jones, obviously suffering a hammy uh, last week in the win against Cincinnati. Tried to come back into the game, he just couldn't plant and throw. It was it was a mess. So I uh, went back to Colt McCoy. Um, somehow the Giants though have moved to the top of the NFC East uh, with three straight wins. Though you know Philly, Washington, and Cincinnati are are not uh, you know three trophy wins per se, but uh, you know 
uh, someone's going to win that division. But uh, working uphill here, obviously traveling traveling all the way west to Seattle. There are not many Giants tickets out there right now. Looking at like ninety five percent of the money in on this game, backing the Seahawks. Um, everyone's ready for Josh Gordon to come back. I'm excited too. Been a Josh Gordon guy, but like, man, David David Moore, you know, like <laughs> he's lost. He's lost. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this one? They're they're letting down your boy, man. I know this is like this is probably. I feel like yeah. you're like at his grave, you know, pretty much right now. Just it's unfortunate, but you know, I think he'll still have wait a for next you know? year. Sam Darnold to David Moore on the Pats. Oh, oh my God! All right, <laughs> I don't want Sam Darnold, but I'm yeah. I'm not dealing with that now. This is we'll we'll deal with that when we get there. Um, yeah, this spot particularly. Um, I mean, the Giants' defense has been solid. Um, you know, kind of like sneaky good is what I would say because we were not expecting them to do anything this year. Uh, and they've actually been all right. Um, and eighth overall in EPA the past five weeks, but on the season they're past D, 29th past D DVOA. So I think, you know, as we talked about in the past, like against a team in Seattle that should be continuing to throw the ball a lot. I mean, Pete Carroll cited that bogus like 50 uh, attempts plus uh, like rush attempts plus completions equals a win stat. Um, I mean, who lets people like say these things out loud or even think them? Like if, if you told me this stat on here, I would be like, yo, like that's correlation versus causation. Like you shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, and like, that's just kind of it. Like I can, I can explain it to someone or like I can explain to whoever, like, you know, it's, it's not that hard. Um, and I mean, we're two bozos, you know, like talking about betting concepts. That's for like, sure. how is, how is an NFL head coach saying these things that actually they think like makes sense? Um, Lombardi's touted that for years, and he's considered to be fairly sharp at times. Like I've heard that from him a lot. He's he's not sharp. He's just he's just plugged in, and that's my that's my official take on Lombardi. Is that That you know he's he's just plugged in, and he knows like his sources are good, but like no, yeah, like I because I have heard him say that too, and I've heard him say a few other like you know football guy fallacies. Like I think you could actually like write like a good article just on football guy fallacies and like all the stupid shit that they say and then like how it's easily proven wrong in like a paragraph. Um yeah, a lot of anyways, the dirt stuff. I, yeah, I don't even remember what I was talking about. Um oh yeah, okay, so Seattle, like Cole McCoy though, I think, you know, I mean it's a decent spot, but my do I really want to bet on Cole McCoy? Probably not. Um so I mean Seattle's passing has been really bad. Um, 29th passing success rate, 27th in um, past DDVOA. So, um, I mean, tech, technically, like hypothetically, if we get like a really low Colt McCoy number, like I'm talking like it would have to be in like the hundreds. Um, and if it's in, if it's anything above like 210, I'm not interested. And it's going to be above 210. So I'm probably not taking it. Is this a points bet situation again? I, okay, look, if it's at 190, I'm points betting Colt McCoy. You know, just like balls to the wall, I'm going all in on Colt McCoy. But it won't be, so it doesn't matter. We got him at two eighteen and a half. Oh uh, well, maybe I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Can I be honest and, and out myself to everyone that would have no idea without me saying this? So I probably should keep my mouth shut. But like coming out, I thought Colt McCoy was a was a sneaky draft pick coming out. I thought he was going to be a viable. <laughs> I thought he was going to be a viable NFL quarterback. So just wanted to you know hold myself accountable to that take. I didn't think he was like a first round talent, but like. I thought there was a little, I thought there was a little Drew Brees there, you know, a little undersized, low A dot, get it oh out. Oh boy, quick. good decision oh making. Boy. Again, I, I'm divorced from that take for a very long time now. Like it's not, uh, it's not anything I've held on recently. But uh, I was. That's wrong. good. I'm glad that you had that take before you had, you know, five thousand followers and uh, before yeah. people could 
Um, I think I've kind of stopped giving like my, I'm going to just stop giving takes on uh, like quarterbacks <laughs> and like prospects just cause like, there's so many other variables that go into one, two, like we don't even know who these people are, like, which is actually like really important. I think like, you know, what kind of person they are, especially three, a quarterback. I agree. Oh yeah, totally. And like three, just like, we're not very good at it. Um, and like, we don't really know what we're doing. So, I mean, we can act like we know what we're doing. We can cite stats and we can guess pretty well. I think we can guess well, but like, we're definitely, I mean, we're probably at best, you know, guessing at the same rate as the NFL on terms of prospects and at worst doing, you know, much, much worse. At the quarterback position, you're right. Like NFL front offices can't do that. No, they they spend time with these kids and talk to their families and their, like their friends and, you know, the coaches that have been with them for, you know, two to three years, like of any position, you're totally right. Like, I feel like we can have a better grasp on other prospects, but at the quarterback position, it's, it is and, a crapshoot. Like, so that's why you sometimes have to lean on some of those more narrative driven things at times. And we don't have, we were not exposed to those actual decision making. And even some of the best like quarterback models, like, you know, like Josh Hermsmeyer produced a model, had Baker Mayfield number one in the class by a long shot, like one of the best quarterback prospects in years. And sure. Josh Hermsmeyer is like a genius. And then like there's the the QB base model, which is like the Browns title, which is how they you know partially picked Mayfield as well, like things like that. I know that's like anecdotal, but they're going through it, and it's like it's like you know sixty ish percent of hits compared yeah. to bus, which is like not even that good when you think about it. Yeah, and you're really investing like massive draft capital in the position. It's 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 tough, man. Like you're right. Become March and April. You know what we'll be doing? We'll be hosting draft preview pods and we'll oh, be yeah. talking about you know <laughs> you know all these quarterbacks there are you know what probably four quarterbacks that are probably likely in the first round this year and we'll have thoughts on all of them because just what we do it's part of the process so yeah i mean we'll talk about the bets though we'll bet on them you know like we don't need to know Correct. we don't really need to care about their mechanics we need to Correct. know you know where they're going to be drafted so we can make some money good point good point we're going to bring us back uh yeah i see uh, seattle clearly limited Chris Carson last week, um, returning from a foot injury. He was out touched by Carlos Hyde, 17 to 10. I think that probably shifts a little bit more this week in a spot where they'll probably rely on both of them, obviously being 10 point favorites. Like they're still being aggressive. They're still quote unquote loading Russ Cook, but they are running a little bit more. And I think we probably see a little bit more old school Seattle, which is I think why we've seen this total drop from 48 to 46. You know, that's something that uh, the Nads. Syndicate has been interested in too when it was up at 48. Um, probably a good spot for uh, for unders here. So, all right, next we have Philly on the road against the Packers. Uh, Packers eight and a half point favorites at home. 48 is the total. Eagles are really difficult to watch. Uh, they could not even consistently move the ball against Seattle, uh, who has basically been gashed by opposing passing games all season long. The Carson Wentz stuff is really wild. Like, He's a legit MVP candidate multiple times. He's 27. Uh, he's not theoretically dusty in the sense in which we typically talk about. But, like, I don't know. I, I know that the line has been an issue, but, like, it's just been really, really bad. What are your thoughts on Wentz? What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I mean, if you, like, didn't know who they were and you, like, just looked at Carson Wentz and then looked at Aaron Rodgers, you'd think Carson Wentz is 10 years older, uh, not, not Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, um, because he has not been playing well uh, in this game, particularly the Philly. Oh, I mean, just been 
really bad, scoring you know 17 points in three straight games out of their bye week, despite you know having a relatively healthy receiving core um, and like decent pass catchers, you, which most of us projected would help Wentz, and that that was the issue was that he was throwing to Travis Fulgham. And instead of, you know, throwing to Jalen Rager, Miles Sanders and Alshon Jeffrey and Dallas Goddard. Um, but now he has all those guys and he's still playing like shit. So it's really tough to envision this Philio just having too much success on the road unless they make dramatic changes, I would say, in their offense. And um, I mean, really switch something up here. But it's it's that things like that just don't really happen generally like midseason. Um, on the other side of the ball, Green Bay scored 30 or more points in eight of 11 games this season. Um, and Philly's D has been decent, but, uh, I mean, they've allowed 20 or more points to any non Ben DiNucci led team this season. So, um, <laughs> I, I think that this is a f- very much a fine spot for green Bay to score, you know, like around 30 points. So yeah, uh, green Bay team total is definitely interesting. Like we saw what happened last week. We've seen the Eagles play a lot of man. They play a lot of man press, um, it did not work against DK Metcalf. It is not going to work <laughs> against Devontae Adams. He will feast in this one. Um, you know, I think our projections are a little low on him too. We have him at uh, just a shade under eight receptions for 97 yards. Like, again, this is one of those spots where he can get there even if Philly doesn't do their thing. But, like, if Philly just so happens to move the ball a little bit and this game stays competitive for two and a half, three quarters, like Devontae is going to crush. Um, I want to be over on anything that that involves Devontae in this matchup. I just don't think, you know, we talk about it often, like I think wide receiver, cornerback matchups are completely overrated anyway. And there are very, very few that move the needle. And Darius Slay has never been a move the needle guy for me. Like he just is very hit or miss. Um, there's more Marcus Peters in his game, like a guy that will pop because he takes chances. He gets picks, you know, so you'll see some pick sixes and stuff like that. But like he can get dominated against better receivers. He did on national television last week and he probably will again this week. So uh, want to be bullish on Devontae. Yeah, I mean, we haven't projected for uh, 7.7 receptions and 97 yards. Um, he did which- in half. Yeah, which might honestly end up being light, but it's the most we have projected of the week. So, sure. uh, I mean, for for a median projection, it's it's probably fine, but still, I think you know he he always has the upside to just absolutely annihilate it. Yep. Yep. So again, if Philly shows up at all, that is uh, that's gonna that's gonna cook. So, uh, and again, I don't love eight and a half per se. I would definitely lean that way, uh, and you could sell me on that as the week goes on. But like as a teaser leg. Green Bay should be a, a staple, um, especially being able to, as it's dropped below nine, being able to get that under uh, under three as a tease. I think that that's very interesting. All right, next we have the Patriots on the road against the Chargers. Pats are one-point favorites here. Um, it's moved a little bit. 47.5 is the total. Set it at the top of the show. You can find me a bigger coaching disparity on this week's card, um, perhaps even – in the entire league, I, I don't think that you you can. I mean, look, Anthony Lynn seems like a decent dude. Uh, you know, watch Hard Knocks. He seems like a lovely man. Um, I'm sure he is. <laughs> um, he is clearly, clearly out over his skis in this role. The inability and or I, unwillingness to plan ahead for certain down and distance plays, the 
cavalier use of timeouts. Uh, it's just, it's too much. Like they last week, multiple times, like just didn't know what to do on like fourth and short in Buffalo territory and calls a timeout and then punts. Like it's like, you might need that timeout later. Like, and if you're going to punt, <laughs> just let the, like let the clock run and take the penalty. Like I, uh, just, you know, I'm watching that game. And again, you know, understanding that is definitely a large piece for us last week. And, you know, I, my wife's asking like, why, what's wrong? I'm like, this is maddening. Like, Oh yeah. Belichick would never do this. Like they never <laughs> not be prepared to know what are we going to do if we get fourth and less than three in the first half in their territory, like they're going to have a plan. They'll probably have two or three plays. Uh, they even like in that situation, but to not know where you're going to do to not know what the play is, and then decide to punt like these things happen way too frequently. And of course we're a little bit more bitter than normal because we had a vested interest in them sustaining drives and scoring points last week. But man, like what a mess uh, action oh, split man. pretty, pretty evenly so far in this one. But uh, what are your thoughts here? Uh, I think the you know, nomination for worst play of the year would be Justin Herbert's QB sneak in the <laughs> final play where the offensive line thought it was a pass play and he decided to <laughs> forward so they all like jumped back you know like in, in their pass bro and he like tried to run forward and just got like fucking clobbered as time expired they called a timeout before that play they they had like they ran a play and like they <laughs> and they ran on the play which is wild but then they called the timeout also very strange <laughs> and then couldn't even do it like, it was so unbelievably <sighs> maddening like i was to the point where like I was laughing, but it was because it hurt so bad. And I yeah. knew I was hurting for you bad because I knew that you were highly leveraged on that spot. Yeah, I was like balls deep on the on the that Chargers team total. <laughs> and that was rough because oh. I mean it turned a great week into just an okay week, which kind of sucked. Yeah. Um but I mean okay, so looking at this game, I'm not going back to the Chargers. I'm not betting on the Chargers at least for another week. Um <laughs> <laughs> and definitely not in this spot. Um just because Actually, there's there's realistically no reason for me not to bet on the Chargers because this is actually a good matchup for the Chargers. But I'm not going to do it just for the sake of my own sanity because I know they're going to find a way to fucking blow it. And it's going to piss me off to no end. So I can't do it. But, uh, I mean, the, the New England D has been bad. Uh, I mean, we've talked about it a lot here. I mean, on, on the whole, 31st in defensive DVOA on the season. Um, and, you know, they really just, like, haven't done a whole lot well. Um, but – and this Chargers offense has largely been very explosive. And when things are clicking and they're letting Justin Herbert pass on early downs, you know, they've been an awesome offense. Um, and, but on the other side of the ball, Chargers D, 27th and run D, DVOA, 28th. Um, so, I mean, we talked about it the last two weeks, right? They, this is their third straight time playing against bad run defenses. And they've had some success against these teams. Uh, you know, they were, they were successful against the Cardinals. They were not as successful against the Texans. So it's really – like this could be a text could be either one. I think realistically, like either one could play out here with, you know, Justin Herbert's playing well, they get up to an early lead and you know, the, the Patriots aren't able to execute their running game as well. And this ends up becoming a, a, a big chargers game. But on the other hand, we've seen the line move towards the Patriots This opened up a chargers minus one. Now we're seeing it at Patriots minus one. Um, and so in this spot, I mean, I'm, yeah, I think, I think you should take the chargers, but I, I'm not going to do it and I can't do it. I like the Pats here. I don't know that I'm going to – Yeah. So I, I don't know that I'm going to get there necessarily. Um, and I want to get too narrative-driven as far as like Belichick throttling 
rookie QBs, but we know that that's been a thing in his career. We do know that Herbert's also having one of like the best rookie QB seasons ever. But what really stood out to me was last week, and this is again Sean McDermott and the Bills. Like he's another really sharp coach and is smart and game plan specific. Like they saw something last week. Um, they have been among the most past first teams in the league, and they went more run heavy last week. Um, they combined their two backs combined for 20 carries for 141 yards. Um, I think Josh Allen only dropped back on 51% of his uh, snaps, which is again, hurt the volume uh, in that game a little bit last week too. Only I think 27 dropbacks. So I think the, they saw something that they'd be able to exploit in the ground and did so. And then we know that that's what New England wants to do anyway, like with Cam, with Damian Harris, like Sony Michelle was active, didn't really play. Uh, so it's going to be Harris again. So I think the Pats are going to be able to run the ball here pretty successfully. And if that limits Herbert's upside and his ability to, you know, make plays in the passing game, you know, it's a good matchup. Like you said, like you know, Pat's defense has been pretty treacherous, but uh, I think, think New England runs and runs pretty successfully. If, if the Bills who really haven't had much of a ground game outside of, you know, Josh Allen type stuff this season, I think the Patriots are going to be able to, to do things here, especially getting healthier. You know, Isaiah Wynn should be fully healthy and ready to go here. So I think they're going to be able to run the ball. So Okay, well, but what about what about the over? What do you think about that? 46 and a half you can find right now on one book. Uh, at, it looks like FanDuel or uh, BetMGM. Man, MGM. I need, I need MGM. Yeah, they're, they're coming to Illinois, I think, actually. In the so they are. Like, they're, at the, uh, they're in Elgin at the, uh, at the boat. But you have to uh, register in person, and the boat's closed. So I don't know. Okay, what we do. so yeah. So we wait for uh, our governor to get things. Uh, nice. We lift the uh, the mobile registration ban, but uh, yeah, I just see a lot of MGM lines, and I'm like, prop wise too, like just some. Software. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you could sell me on the over um, again. It's the, the same problem with New England always is just volume. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I can get I can get behind this. Um, yeah, I think that both teams have success offensively. It's just is there enough plays? Like, I think Austin Eckler coming back theoretically in a different situation than we had last week raises the floor and the expectation of that Chargers offense. Like, he crushed and was a massive player, obviously, in the passing game. Like, he ran around on 38 uh, of 55 dropbacks and was targeted on almost half of them. <laughs> like, we still saw Keenan Allen get double-digit targets, too. And the Pats have really struggled against slot receivers all year i think he crushes so like i don't think you're gonna see gilmore chase him um blindly so um and even that like keenan allen might be a guy that just it doesn't really matter per se who's who's on him so mm-hmm. i can get behind an, especially if it's gonna move down like if that number is out there somewhere else like i can get behind and over here yeah 46 and a half i'm interested yeah all right, next we have Denver on the road against the Chiefs. Uh, Kansas City, 13.5-point favorites at home in Arrowhead. 50.5 is the total. This could get ugly. Uh, could get ugly quick. Sort of did back in their first matchup. KC rolled 43-16 to 16 in the snow in Denver. Um, there are some brave souls out there, though. Looks like 29% of the bet so far backing the Broncos here, uh, though 90% of the money uh, wisely, I think, on the Chiefs. Uh, probably getting Drew Locke back at quarterback here uh, for the Broncos, though still Broncos 32nd offensive DVOA on the season, which is, again, really hard to do. We pointed it out time and time again. This is a league that involves the Chicago Bears, the New York Jets, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Broncos are dead last in offensive DVOA. That is it's an impressive feat considering that they have 
a, a ton of talent, um, especially in the pass catching core. But four straight weeks of at least 30 completions and 300 yards for Patrick Mahomes. Like, listen, I, I'm the, bra- the biggest Tom Brady stand there is. I literally named my son. <laughs> um, Patrick Mahomes is a different beast. Uh, there is just nothing like this guy, and it's just fun to watch. I, I try not to miss uh, any of it. And uh, this Tyreek Hill usage is just wild of late. First career has basically been like a really highly efficient medium volume receiver, but now he's suddenly getting like 2019 Michael Thomas volume. Uh, he's just going off every week. 30% target share over the past four weeks. Um, 30% target share from the best quarterback on earth in the league's most past heavy offense. Like we talk about how, you know, target shares aren't all created equally. Like a Jacoby Myers, 30% target share isn't uh, a Tyreek Hill, 30% target share. It's just, it's insane. And uh, they're really good. So 13 and a half does not feel too high. What are your thoughts? No, I just, I'm wondering who the 29% of people who are actually like taking the Broncos. (laughs) I know. Yeah. You brought up some good points. I mean, this offense isn't good. Like they haven't shown, really much outside of a few like end of game heroics to kind of make the score look closer than it actually was. Um, but yeah, I, I can't imagine a scenario here where Kansas city wins by, you know, like less than a touchdown or even 10 points. So I, I definitely interested in them in a teaser. Um, and we have one from a listener actually that I'll bring up at the end of the show here uh, towards our teaser leg, but uh, Kansas city is, is involved there for sure. Um, I mean, I think it is worth asking, though, because I don't really have too much to add on this game. Does Kendall Hinton play another down in the NFL? <laughs> like, in any position, does he play? Uh, uh, probably not. Yeah, I don't think so. Probably um, not. Unfortunately. Good for, good for that kid, I guess. Like, um, I mean, he's really bad. But at the same time, like, they had no practice. <laughs> you know, they couldn't practice. It was a mess. So yeah. I thought that it was a little weird that he was getting, like, hero treatment in social media after the game, like mm-hmm. it's a little condescending and like, he was pretty terrible. I know that the situation was awful. So I'm not like, I don't want to knock the kid and I don't think anyone should knock the kid, but like to I just saw a lot of verbal bouquets tossed his way. Yeah. Um, like he was, you know, a fireman that ran into a burning <laughs> building and saved four kids. Like, uh, listen, he got a shot to play quarterback in the NFL. It's a story he'll be able to tell for the rest of his life. Like, yeah, he, he was a salesman two months ago. He was a salesman yeah. two months ago. He's going to go back to being a salesman after the season is over. <laughs> um, but I mean, his what's funny is his passing yard prop was 109 yards. I know. It's wild. I, I mean, I smashed it under. I was like, this is a joke. Like, this guy's not even going to complete, complete like five passes. He completed more passes to the other team than he completed his own team. He had <laughs> that two was picks. A points bet opportunity. <laughs> oh God, I, I I actually didn't even check that. Like I. I it was a whirlwind, you know, sometimes on Sundays it's a little, little bit crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just, it's hilarious. It's like Kendall Hilton was like hinted Hinton was a res- result of like, you know, you know, when that, when all the like uh, political um, parties like meet together and they stick like one person, like out in the boonies in case like the whole place gets bombed, you know, he can be like the president or whatever. Like that was Kendall Hinton, but they put like, like, you know, like the president's secretary or something like out in the boonies. <laughs> and that, that was who came to be the president, like after for the week, for one week. Designated survivor. <laughs> yeah, designated survivor. <laughs> exactly. That was Kendall Hinton. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, for, for looking, 
you know, circling back to this game, Kansas City at anything less than 14 and, and probably a viable teaser. Like, I think I might just like go all in on like two teasers this week and just like, you know, probably have that as most of my like sides action. My man, I'm feeling the same. Like, I, I you know, we talked a little bit before we hit record, like not a lot of standalone stuff that we love, but like there's a lot of viable, you know, real teasers that we can work through key numbers and, and feel pretty good about these spots. So um, definitely, definitely get there with you. We'll, we'll, I didn't send you anything before, but we can talk through it as we wind up the show. All right, next, Washington on the road against the Steelers. This one's dropped a little bit after yesterday's uh, football game. I guess we'll call it a football game. <laughs> uh, it happens. Uh, really messed up the entire week if you're in the uh, content industry. Oh, like the you know data dumps and everything, like it just pushed back and completely messed it up. Uh, Pittsburgh eight and a half point favorites at home, eight on Fanduel, uh, forty two and a half is the total. Uh, it's really never been anything like this in terms of rest advantage. I reference it often. I do think it matters at times. I know that this is not like the nineteen seventies or nineteen eighties. These guys are not flying in. You know, uh, coach. They have very nice setups. You know, it is comfortable they're staying in nice hotels all of those things but like washington's coming off of the mini buy they played on thanksgiving the steelers played four days ago so like this is a massive massive advantage um so i mean the game really didn't get out of hand even yesterday which was maybe viable heading into the game with all we thought was coming from the Ravens side so like the steelers played their guys all game so um this one's moves Washington's way a little bit after Pittsburgh really didn't dominate. We've seen uh, the Steelers 60% of the bets, though 75% of the money is backing Washington here. And I kind of get it. Like, I think there's a pretty big advantage here statistically, specifically on the ground for Washington. Uh, second in EPA per rush over the past five weeks. Steelers defenses stubbed their toe a little bit, just 28th in EPA against the run over the same time frame. I think the emergence of Antonio Gibson is a big reason why Washington's having some success here. We're seeing less Peyton Barber, at least when the game's up for grabs. Like he got some late snaps on Thanksgiving, but the game was out of hand. Uh, last week, Gibson blew up uh, career high, 65% snap rate. Uh, parlay that into 25 touches, 136 yards and three scores. Like this kid's barely played running back. Uh, didn't really do it in college even and is really just kind of getting into the groove here. This could be a decent spot. Like Pittsburgh continues to have some injuries, but Dupree going down uh, yesterday is a big loss for them. Like he is a massive piece of that defense. You know, they've had some linebacker issues, some secondary issues, like still a fantastic defense, but um, I can get behind Washington here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I could too. So my initial, um, my initial view on this would be like Steelers uh, to win by a touchdown. Probably. Um, I think actually, if this was on the road, like at Washington, I think the Washington would like win outright. Um, and Ooh, it's one of those spots that they would like, this is yes. one of those Pittsburgh games. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like you said, like short week, you know, some injuries piling up um, and like the matchup for uh, Washington's running game against the Steelers run D like you mentioned, like that is massive. Um, so I, I still do think that they're in play here. Um, I mean, at eight and a half, I think it's, it's viable for sure. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not really sure what else you should attack this game with besides maybe the Steelers just consistently going pass heavy, really. Uh, I think that's something that we've noticed over the past, it's like four or five games, really, since Dallas. Um, they've been passing a bunch, and that's elevated, you know, just the targets of total targets of like Juju, Deontay, and um, 
uh, or Deontay Washington, right? Uh, as our good friend John Daigle called <laughs> called him. So good. Uh, no, but yeah, um, Deontay and Claypool, and um, I mean even James Washington had some late game heroics, but I'm not I'm not betting on James Washington. But you know those three, like the re- reception props, are always set around like four or five. Um, and you know I think you can reasonably actually take the over on like all of them now because Big Ben is throwing the ball over forty times a game. Um, like pretty consistently. And even, even though they're being favored, they're favored and like winning by a good margin on almost all these games. So um, probably, yeah. So probably Washington against the spread, maybe some uh, Pittsburgh passing props as they keep it close. So those are my biggest takes on this one. Yeah. Should have got in on it a little bit earlier, but like still being, you know, eight and a half, like I'm okay with eight and a half here. I think that they're, I think that they're viable. Um, I bet this closes closer to like seven and a half, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it probably stays above the seven, but I think that's probably a good call. So, all right, next we have Buffalo on the road against the Niners, although both teams on the road. Uh, Buffalo minus one here, 48 is the total. Uh, like I said, road game for both teams since San Francisco has been kicked out of Santa Clara County for the foreseeable future due to the county's ban on contact sports during COVID. So, this one's being played in Arizona. Um, if not for the Hale Murray, in this building uh, against the Cardinals, uh, the Bills would be the talk of the town. They'd be basically rolling in on a five-game winning streak, really solidifying themselves in the AFC playoff picture. But, um, you know, last week they were able to squeak one out, I guess you could say, though they, I guess they won handily. But uh, uh, we also get a 49ers club that's getting healthier each week on both sides of the ball, um, both, you know, defensively and the secondary skill position players. We're seeing some guys come back. Great matchup between two of the best coaches in the league. We've already talked about both of them during the show here and other games. This one should be fun. So far, the Bills are the lean in the marketplace. Uh, kind of like the other side. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kicking myself a little bit because I think this actually opened at like two and a half um, for the Bills being favored. And I, I kind of like the Niners outright here. Nice. Um, and uh, the market's starting to reflect. Toward movement towards the uh, Niners because, and I think a lot of that's due to um, the amount of success that they're going to have on the ground against the Bills. Dead last in rushing success rate allowed, 29th in explosive run rate allowed. And I mean, as we know, the Niners do not want to force their quarterbacks to throw. So I expect we see like a, you know, a lot of run heavy game planning here. Uh, Raheem Mostert is back and, you know, will probably be the alpha here. So I'll definitely be interested in some Raheem Mostert props. And I think that this Niners team could definitely you know, very well win outright. And then we also have on the other side of the ball, Josh Allen splits with John Brown. Uh, Without John Brown, I mean, it's been way different, like in terms of obviously fantasy points, but um, like, you know, yards per game and how effective he's been overall and like the total points output for this Buffalo team. Um, And I mean, I know that it's a small sample and I know that, you know, we try not to look too much into splits. Um, I think that there, it's very much in the range of outcomes that this could be kind of like a Will Fuller effect on, um, you know, Josh Allen for Des- Deshaun Watson that we like kind of discussed there where, you know, having someone who could stretch the field well and is also like actually a legit good player, um, you know, obviously helps and can impact the quarterback, uh, even if he's not, you know, killing it in the box score every week. Um, so I think that that's definitely a possibility here. It's also a possibility to be totally, you know, noise and like just because it is a really small sample. Um, so I think that's something to look out for and something I'm not like acting on fully yet. And I'm like definitely not going to be fading Josh Allen because of that right now. Um, but I do think that overall, this is an interesting spot for the Niners just because of how much success they're going to have on the ground. I mean, like this could reasonably be like a game, like, like how they played against green Bay where they ran the ball like 40 times and had so much success running it. Like it's a similar type of matchup. Like last year, green Bay was 
dead last in rushing success rate allowed and bad against explosive runs. And they got just annihilated, you know, on the ground. I mean, obviously their, their defense played well too, but um, I mean, still, I think, I think it's kind of a similar matchup offensively. Yeah. I really don't have anything except I agree with basically everything you laid out. I'm actually willing to buy into the, the John Brown thing, even though it is a small sample. So I, I, I think you're being responsible with the take, but um, he's just, he is a difference maker. And I, you know, we think about how they used him last year. Like he was their he was their guy. We've always thinking that he could emerge into that guy. And he really, you know, handled it well last year. And he just adds a different dynamic. Like I think he is better than just a guy that's a replacement level. Um, you know, Gabe Davis might be interesting, you know, as a long-term prospect. And I think he's decent, but like, He's a better four than him having to be really kind of like a two in that offense, knowing that you know you're still gonna have Beasley doing his thing in the slot. So I think it matters. I think it matters for how Josh Allen plays, and I think it matters how teams defend Steph Diggs. So I think it is one of those things where it's you know it's almost he's not on the level of you know we're talking about Julio and Kenny Galloway and the impact that those offenses uh, you know the loss of them has on their offense, but like it matters. So. I'm there with you. Yeah, and Raheem most I mean, overs will be interesting. I think he's probably going to be in the 15 to 18 carry range. He had 16 carries last week, first week back from the injury. Um, you know, didn't dominate with them. You know, found the end zone on a nice touchdown run. But we've talked about earlier, like the Rams were elite up front defensively. Like heading into the game, they had been first in rushing EPA allowed over the past five weeks. They're still a, a top three unit. This Bills defense is not that. So even if Mostert is sharing a little bit of the workload with Tevin Coleman or Jeff Wilson, like I still think you're going to be able to get 15 to 18 from Mostert. And, you know, he'll probably be set in the high fifties, maybe low sixties. And I think he can go over that for sure. So, Oh yeah. Easily, easily. Yep. So agreed. Uh, Mostert and uh, Niners. Like, I don't know if I'll tie them into stuff on the early, um, early week stuff. Cause it's going to be a, you know, one of the Monday night games, but uh, yeah, definitely want to get in on the Niners, I think. So this last one, we don't have a lot of information. It's going to be tough to unpack Dallas at Baltimore, Baltimore. It's off the board in most spots. It's in Baltimore, seven point favorites out there in some book. 45 is the total. Um, this is a similar rest spot that we just outlined with Washington and Pittsburgh. I think the big news here, though, is really hard to, to break this one down. We don't know the status of Lamar Jackson, uh, Lamar was not uh, like a COVID reserve list dude because he was in contact. He tested positive. So like it's a little different layer. Um, you know, we might see Trace McSorley if that's the case because we had RG3 with a hamstring injury. Uh, can you imagine like Trace McSorley and Andy Dalton in the in the Cowboys? Like what a what a game. Uh, we've had some oh. stinkers this year, but that that might be that might be pretty rough. Um in hindsight, it might have just been that kind of a perfect spot for Dallas in that win in Minnesota, like short week for Minnesota. They were playing the Monday nights in the division the week before, and then Dallas had to buy, like kind of a perfect spot. Otherwise, like Dallas has just been really bad. So um, thoughts on this one if we can. Yeah, not much. I mean, if Lamar plays, this is an easy you know, play for me at minus seven um, for the for the Ravens. But uh, I don't I don't even know. It's, he's eligible, I think, right? Like technically, is he not? I thought he was. Um, okay, yeah. I, I think today they were non-committal, and um, so we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, well, considering you know the oh, U.S.'s own like government like keeps changing the guidelines on when technically you're allowed to return to work, like they just changed it from 14 days to 10 days, and then now without 
symptoms. You can, it's seven days. And now it's like, so I don't even know who knows how the NFL is going to handle it. You know, that's not on our place to, to say. So, I mean, if Lamar plays hammer minus seven, in my opinion, I think that that's like, you know, with Lamar, I think this is a 10 point spread at least maybe 14. Agreed. Um, so, uh, right. yeah, that's about it. Let's talk through a teaser here. Uh, we've talk, there's a lot of, you know, yeah. Eights, nines, tens out there. Um, you know, we got the 11 and a half in Miami. Um, I know you see there was something from the listener you want to share. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pop that up on the screen here. So it's, uh, from a listener, Univ poke. Uh, and he also, he also tweeted at us. So I don't, I don't really know. I don't remember what his actual Twitter name is here, but he said, um, Kansas city minus six and a half and green Bay minus a half It is minus minus one fifty five. Um, but you know, he was, he was very confident. He said, you know, should we bet, bet the bankroll, uh, on it? Um, never and, bet the bankroll. Yeah. So th- that would be my initial advice. Don't ever bet the bankroll. Yeah. But that being said, I like it. I like it too. I mean, I typically, same thing with props. Like I typically try to avoid spots where you're laying, you know, minus 150. But, um, you know, if you're, this looks like one of those ones that's not like a six pointer or seven pointer. This looks like a custom, you know, buy the specific points, you know, choose your spread type of teaser. So we can get behind that for sure. I mean, uh, there are some other spots too that I wouldn't mind adding to it. So maybe get the juice down to closer to, you know, straight even probably can get there just by adding one more game. So, yeah, I think that would probably be my, my advice. Just add like one more that we really like here. Um, we can go through kind of the teaser spots. We mentioned some of them before. Um, I know that, or like, you know, just like playing around with the numbers here. Um, are you interested in um, like, I don't know, I guess like, so what are some of the other spots that you're most interested in? I think we both believe the Raiders win, right? Yes. Um, you know, that's eight and a half. So, you know, you can get, well, it's eight and a half on DK. That one's one of the ones that varies the most. Yeah. from book I think book. like two and a half, I'd probably be interested in, in them at like a teaser spot um, or Agreed. like, you know, at the, the alternate point spread there. Yeah. Um, you know, Miami is going to win that game at home against the Bengals, regardless of who's at quarterback. Yes. Um, you know, so you're going to need a pretty, it's going to be a touchdown depending on what you're doing as far as, you know, buying points or if you're doing a six or seven point teaser. But in this instance, he's being able to customize it, like buy it down to two and a half and just feel really good about it. And uh, I think that that's probably the smart thing if you're doing this type of, of custom bat. That would probably be enough to bring him down to, to even money. Oh, yeah, for sure. I would, I mean, I would even feel comfortable at six and a half. Yeah. Might just, Mike uh, just muted there. Yeah, like two and a half is fine as well, obviously. Yeah. Um, other ones here, I don't think either of us are super interested in the Vikings, right? Like, um, I'm just not. Like, I feel like they should win, but like, I just, I'm, I'm not super interested. There's enough, there's enough smoke with the Dalvin Cook stuff to make me a little bit nervous about them. Um, was Thielen COVID positive or was he? Contact. Yeah, well, he he he's good. He's he's good. He was activated today. Um, yeah, I just didn't oh, know I, if he was, he was like if, if he I had think he it. was. Yeah, I I I don't remember actually being honest off the top of my head, but yeah, I know that he was activated, so he's good for this week. Um, yeah. another one the uh, the Packers. I mean, he threw that in there. I think that's a good one too. Getting yeah. that because a six point teaser. I mean, gets that under uh, an under three. So um, a I mean, six point great. teaser for Washington brings you above fourteen, gets you to fourteen and a half. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm never as big of a fan of the, like teasing the plus money ones because, um, 
I mean, usually there's a reason a team is favored by like that much, and especially with a team like the Steelers, like, I mean, could they win thirty to zero? Like, yeah, I mean, they could. I think totally get it. Yeah. Um, Same thing, San Francisco. If you you know tease San Francisco, um, you know you're depending on where you're at now. Like you you can get them at you know plus seven, plus eight, depending on the teaser. You're getting them past the touchdown, I think, is is of interest. But like same premise, like you're taking the plus money. Um, it just kind of matters how you're structuring it, based on if you're doing a you know six seven point teaser. Um, I know our friend Elliot Chris loves doing ten point teaser. He'll do a, a sweetheart three, <laughs> three yeah three teamer uh, three teamer ten point teaser most weeks. So there are ways to be smart about it and you know buy down through key numbers. And I know there's a lot of thought out there and. You know, it's been kind of something we've done here since the jump for the last, you know, three plus years now of talking about, you know, teasers. But there are responsible ways to do it. You know, you don't have to get into laying, um, you know, seven, six, seven legs. Um, it's kind of why we, you know, dubbed ours a fishy teaser because I typically have like five legs in it. And there are definitely ways to do it and keep it more manageable into the, you know, two or three leg stuff where you can get some decent odds and get it down to even money and, and set yourself up for, you know, nice spots that you feel good about. So. Don't be afraid to to tease games. Agreed. I, I, I mean, especially in the spot like so, like this week, we talked about it. I think there's like four or five teams we really like to win. We think they win by a touchdown or more. But like you know, the, a lot of their spreads are already kind of factoring that in. Like they're already very much. I think the market is very efficient on this. Like you know, yeah. they're right at like nine or ten or you know ten to fourteen, which is I'm sure they could win by that much. But I'm not super confident. In it. I'm very confident that they all win by pretty much a touchdown or more, though. Yeah. No, it's a good call. And yeah, look at the book. Like your different books have different stuff. FanDuel, you know, has those specific teasers, but um, you know, they're same game parlays. I think you can do custom stuff, but like DraftKings offers those alternate spreads, alternate totals, you know, something that, you know, Connor and I play around a lot with, you know, on Friday afternoons and, you know, share some stuff that we, we typically like, but like depending on your book, what you have access to shop around, I mean, they have some different, you know, MGM from what I've heard has some unique offerings like, don't be afraid to go exploring outside of the, you know, the different tabs on your book to see what's out there. You can find some, some interesting stuff. So, all right, my man, um, conviction play, anything that you absolutely love? Uh, not really, honestly, I would say, you know, like I'll probably just have a unit on like, you know, I put already, already bet on Cincinnati under, um, you know, I'll, I'll probably have some good props. I'll probably go heaviest on those this week, to be honest. Yeah, no, I agree. Not a massive, massive and then I'll, I'll you know have have a good uh, good teaser leg for sure. I'll have a good at least one good teaser this week. Love it. Don't forget to find Connor on Twitter at Connor Allen NFL. Find all of his uh, written work over here at Four for Four. Um, he's having a great season with props, so definitely continue to check that out. If you haven't, um, you can find all that on his uh, Twitter handle. Um, you can find the show on Twitter as well at Move Line NFL, and we'll be back to do it all again next week. So for Connor, I'm Ryan. We'll see you again soon.